are listening to Stories from Palestine podcast, a podcast recorded in Palestine and about Palestine. My name is Crystal. I am originally from the Netherlands and I am married to a Palestinian. We live in Beit Safafa between Jerusalem and Bethlehem and we run Singer Cafe and Al Chisar Bar in Beit Sahur. Before moving to Palestine in 2013, I worked as a teacher and tour guide in the Netherlands. I have a degree in history and in tour guiding and many years of tour guiding experience. Due to the COVID pandemic, tourism in Palestine came to a complete halt and that's why I started Stories from Palestine podcast in August 2020. This is the second year of the podcast with every week on Monday a new episode about the history and heritage of Palestine as well as the reality of life today. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Today, the release day of this podcast episode, it is Monday the 29th of November. And every year on the 29th of November, it is the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. And this was decided in the United Nations in 1977 when the General Assembly adopted a resolution, resolution 32-40B. And it was not a coincidence that they chose this date because it is the same date of the United Nations partition plan. And that was resolution 181. It was adopted exactly 30 years before 1977 in 1947. And most of you will be aware that the partition of Palestine by the United Nations gave the Zionist movement the push they had been waiting for to establish their Jewish homeland in Palestine. And that happened with a lot of force and violence. Most of the Palestinian villages, towns and cities were partially or completely depopulated and destroyed. And until today, families from these towns and cities can be found living in refugee camps in the West Bank, in Gaza and in neighboring countries, with the fourth generation being brought up in the refugee camps under very difficult circumstances. In the meantime, the State of Israel was created in 1948, and then in 1967 this new country took its chance and military occupied the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, Sinai and the Golan Heights. And it started moving its own population into the territory it occupied, mainly in settlements, settlements that were built on Palestinian agricultural land, but in Jerusalem and Hebron, also inside the cities. For this podcast episode, I asked several Palestinian friends to send me an answer to the question, what do you think people can do in solidarity with the Palestinian people? I also asked my friend Anwar, who is from Hebron, who lives in Shahada Street, which is the infamous street that is closed off by military checkpoints, to tell us a little bit about life in the old city of Hebron. This is the street where the Israeli settlers are protected by the army and where the native population is struggling to stay. I could not find the time this week to do live recordings, so rather than a conversation, you will be listening to audio messages that I received from these friends. 
Hello everyone, my name is Hassan Ammar. I am from a small village located southwest of Jerusalem. My job, I started as a civil engineer, then I started small startups of projects in partnership with the local community and farmers to create some facilities to support ecotourism and agritourism in Palestine. Where it's one of the new directions, I'd rather to call it part of the procedure for solidarity with Palestine. And it's in a very efficient and effective way for people to get introduced about Palestine and how can be in close awareness about the tier and Palestine in general, where tourism is a very effective tool and attraction for people all over the world to learn about countries and to learn about the situation and how it could be a tool for solidarity. From my point of view, solidarity can be made through several activities which anybody in the world can do through enjoyment and traveling and visiting new sites and meeting new people to learn about their stories, try to buy from their local products, try their uh, cuisine, learn about it and take some back home after the travel or the trip to explain it to the other people. And this is a very efficient way to raise awareness about Palestine. Solidarity through tourism and ecotourism, it could also by learning more about the Palestinian culture and find meaningful ways about music and how to create partnerships. It also helps through creating movies, where it could be in a very effective way to spread the knowledge about Palestine. Tourism, it could be an industry and a very strong industry for solidarity by visiting the local workshops of the people and buying their products or meeting the farmers in the fields, buying their products and learning about their uh, traditional ways of cultivation, where it could be practices to create some joint venture projects in the future with some Palestinian farmers to increase more awareness about agriculture in Palestine and traditional ways of Palestine and also to support farmers directly into the field. This is, could be done all through your solidarity by finding a way to come as a tourist in the beginning in Palestine. This is what I think is a very effective and efficient tool and I think also that your solidarity by being here is important, but the most important in how to take a message back and to try to help people on the ground, this will be more stable and sustainable solidarity to empower local people on the ground. Initiatives like Handmade Palestine help artisans, especially those who have no access to online markets, let's say, so Handmade Palestine gives that space for more than 25 women groups and cooperatives. Also, we work with independent artisans. So we give them that space to promote their products online, to tell their stories. Such spaces are very important and the world realized the importance of having online presence, especially after the coronavirus. Now a lot of stores are closing, was it in Palestine or anywhere else in the world, because people now prefer to shop online. It's easy, it's convenient. And Handmade Palestine gives that convenience to our customers 
to people who like to support artisans uh, from Palestine. We ship internationally. We give our uh, customers updates, offers. We are online all the time. So such initiative is important. Also, many of the artisans that we work with, they come from remote villages and places in Palestine. It's even hard for them to get access to physical markets to sell their products. Many women in Palestine depend on making handicrafts to make a living. It's also, at the same time, something which gave space to preserve our culture and our heritage because these women worked in tatris, worked in soap making, olive oil soap making. The men artisans, they work in, for instance, in ceramics, in uh, olive wood. So all of these things kept the stories that our culture has given us and allow us to tell these stories to the world. And, of course, at the same time, giving a push to the economy, giving an opportunity for those people to sell their work and be sustainable. Fairuz Sharkawi, director of Grassroots Al-Quds. I think that oftentimes international solidarity with Palestine is translated into charity to the Palestinians or helping out the Palestinians, while the true meaning of solidarity is actually taking responsibility. The colonial project in Palestine is enabled, funded, and supported by so many governments and corporations, international ones. And for people to show true solidarity with Palestine, they need to hold their own responsible. They need to tell their governments that it is not in their name that these governments enable colonialism and the Zionist occupation, ongoing oppression of the Palestinian people. I think that people need to tell their governments that it is not with their taxpayer money that this enabling is being done. So many corporations are invested in the occupation, whether by being present physically in occupied Palestinian lands or by having business relations with Israeli corporations as well as authorities. I think that in order to show true solidarity with the Palestinian people, people around the world should hold their own corporations responsible as well and say that we will boycott you and we will not be your customers as long as you are benefiting and profiteering from the oppression of Palestinians and from the continuous dispossession and ethnic cleansing of Palestine. The occupation state has been gaining a lot of experience in oppression and has been building weapons and technology that it has practiced on Palestinians. And it is selling this expertise and selling these weapons and technologies to other governments as well as to corporations around the world. And that needs to stop. True solidarity is to stop this exchange and to stop supporting it whether economically, financially, or politically. Hi, everybody. My name is Anwar Al-Sharabati. I am 31 years old. I am Palestinian, and I live in Hebron. I studied English and French, and I had my master's degrees in business administration from Hebron University. I live in H2 area in Hebron. Hebron is divided into two areas, H1 area, and H2 area. H1 area is under the Palestinian Authority, and H2 area is under the Israeli Authority. 
So I'm living in Al-Shuhada Street in H2 area, which is considered as a military closed street or let's say military closed area. Unfortunately, this street was one of the most important streets in Hebron. It was like a connection between the north and the south of Hebron. Everybody used to come to the central vegetables market here in Hebron. And this street leading us to this area. And there were the bus station also from everywhere, from Jenin, from Nablus, from Nasira. Everybody used to come and stop in this bus station. Unfortunately, in 1994, the Ibrahimi massacre happened and everything changed. The Ibrahimi mosque itself also changed. The Israeli authority decided to divide the Ibrahimi mosque. They took 60% for them, for the Israeli side, and 40% for the Palestinian side. This is regarding the Ibrahimi Mosque. So, everything started to change. The Israelis started to put a lot of blocks, and they started to close the main entrances to the Ibrahimi Mosque. They decided to close they decided to close Al-Shuhada Street. Many shops were also closed in this street by a military order, and nobody can open these shops, even the owners themselves. So the owners left their shops, and they lost their shops, and they also lost their money. The same thing for the families here also. Some of the families left their houses and their homes here because they were scared from the situation. And right now, the situation is more difficult and it's hard also for all of us because the citizens' number is decreasing. So this is not good for us because... Some of the families started to think to leave their houses because nobody can visit them anytime, nobody can come to help them anytime, no cars, no ambulances. Palestinians should walk in very specific areas. If we walk in the Israeli areas, even in this area, Maybe we will be arrested or we will be in a big trouble. So also we have specific areas to walk in. And we have to cross the uh, checkpoints every day. We have to hold our IDs every day because the Israeli soldiers checking our ID numbers on their system. And if anybody wants to visit us, they should have a permission. He or she should have a permission. Or if they don't have permission, they should come from other way. They should walk maybe for 10 minutes. They should walk. This also has social impact. I think that it makes like social division, which is not also good for us because we are living in the same city and we have this problem. 
So this is not good for us, and this is would reflect on us in a negative way because we are not able to see everybody like others, like normal people. We are not able to bring something to our houses like furniture or something because we have to call all of our neighbors to come and help if we want to bring anything in you for our houses. So this started to be very difficult and hard for us. We have to walk also. We can't bring our cars. Even if I have a car, I should put my car in, let's say, in Babazawiya, and I have to walk for my car to reach there. So this is not also good for us. In the rain, we have to walk also under the rain. In the summer also, it's not like other people. It's not like even the settlers themselves. The settlers here, they can ride their cars. They can get taxis, the ambulance also. If there is some emergency, it can come easily. But also the ambulance here, they should speak with the Israeli side and tell them that we are coming to take Palestinian patient. So this is the situation here, alhamdulillah. Regarding our daily life and the harassment of the settlers or the troubles that would the settlers make, we are trying here to avoid and ignore any kind of such troubles because we all know if we get in trouble, we will be arrested or we will pay for them around 2,000 shekels in order not to get in jail. Unfortunately, I think we are living in a present, so they can also close the checkpoints because it's electrical, uh, you know, gates, and anytime they can open these gates, anytime, so it's like a small present for us. Despite that, every day, all the citizens and all the people here who are living here get up every morning to go to their works, to do their duties, to uh, go to schools, to go to university. So we are not giving up. No, we are trying to make a normal life, which is not normal, but we are trying to live a normal life. Regarding um, the the people solidarity with us, I do appreciate every effort that others do. I know a lot of my friends who are from outside the country, a lot of my foreigners' friends also, they are doing their best to say what's happening here, to tell the story, to tell the Palestinian story about what's happening here. We are living under occupation. We are trying to to save our land, to save our homes here, to save our heritage. Our house here is my grandfather's house, and it's my father's house, so I'm trying to save this historical heritage and this old house. 
I do appreciate and I just want from other people to just open their eyes and to see what's happening here. We are not trying to kill anybody. We are trying to save our lands. We are trying to at least reach our lands without taking permission from the Israeli side. So my friends outside the country... They came here and they uh, saw the situation and they saw how how we lived. They also taste our food. They also saw how we really respect others. So I do want others also to respect us as Palestinians and to look at us as good model because we we are trying to. Um, represent our country in a very good model we are trying to represent ourselves also in a very good model so i just want people to see the correct image about the palestinians thank you hello my name is jack monair i'm from jerusalem and i am the coordinator of the eappi program or the ecumenical accompaniment program in palestine and israel in this program we will bring internationals to accompany vulnerable Palestinian communities in an attempt to provide protective presence from settler and security forces harassment and violence. The other thing these accompaniers do is they document human rights violations as they take place. And then the third and most important thing that they do is that they advocate in their own home countries on the things that they have witnessed. Now, when I'm asked, how should we practically show solidarity with Palestinians, I used to have a 10-step action point that people could take. But nowadays, I'm much more hesitant to give an answer. The main reason being is that, first of all, it's difficult enough for us Palestinians to organize, to resist, to show resilience ourselves. Now I also have to come up with the steps that other people must take to be in solidarity. I think, first and foremost, it is the main responsibility of anyone who cares for human rights and justice, to take actions in order to stand with those who are oppressed. But it's not our job to tell you what to do. I don't know the context of, say, someone from the United States or Sweden, their social circles, their stakeholders. Therefore, how could I possibly give specific action points that people must take? Therefore, my main suggestion is for everyone to take action, but to think for yourselves what is the most helpful thing we could do in order to support Palestinian communities and how can we support without causing harm. This is the best way to support a just peace in Palestine and Israel. The second reason that I hesitate is that over the past few years, I've seen thousands and thousands of people come and visit and allegedly show solidarity with Palestinians. But actually, it's more like a consumer culture. They are here to come and to consume the Palestinian stories, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as a whole, as if they are watching a show or a form of tourism. And this uh, really bothers me. Palestinians are desperate to get their stories out there. We want to be heard. We want people to come and visit. But we, we can't have this passive consumption of our stories without any follow-up action. These are real people in a real struggle that need assistance as soon as possible. Therefore, if you are a passive bystander, 
you're no use to the Palestinian people. You're no use to a just peace for both Israelis and Palestinians. You must take action. Therefore, I'm more hesitant in general to give specific action points, but would rather have people reflect A, am I being a consumer of Palestinians or Palestinian stories? And B, what are the actions that I can take in my immediate circles with my different stakeholders in order to help put another crack in the wall which will eventually come down? Thank you. I hope that this episode will inspire you to look for initiatives and campaigns, projects, maybe films, books, websites, and other ways to educate yourselves more and to join existing efforts. We don't all have to start a new initiative. There are many campaigns that are running and that need people to participate, to support, to volunteer. So you can make a difference by dedicating just a bit of your time. There are also organizations that, for example, plant trees, just like what we heard in previous episodes, the people of Handmade Palestine and the Arboretum they run. And I will add a few important links in the show notes from where you can start. Thank you for listening to Stories from Palestine. If you enjoy the podcast, then here are several things you can do to support the show. Tell your friends about the podcast. Share some of the social media posts on Instagram or Facebook. Start following the YouTube channel. You can also hear the podcast audio there. And soon I will start uploading videos. Sign up for the email list so that you get a reminder with a clickable link to the new podcast episode. And in the future, you will be updated about programs and trips that I will start to organize. And of course, you can donate to help me pay for hosting the podcast and the website and all the related recording costs. It's the only source of income I have at the moment, so you can imagine how much I appreciate every cup of coffee or falafel sandwich that you buy me on the coffee platform. All the links that you need can be found in the show notes and on the website storiesfrompalestine.info. That's it. I hope you will tune in again next week. <laughs>